Broadcasting from Charlotte, North Carolina on Sports Byline USA. Uniting sports fans everywhere, this is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Sometimes I wonder in my darkest moments, why am I going, why? So God had to remind me, Tommy, that's what life is made for. For the next hour, we will unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Everything in my life should be a spotlight and a reflection and a pointing back to the goodness of Jesus. Bringing you high energy and thought-provoking sports talk with a purpose. Everything that has transpired since Leah was diagnosed with cancer has really been inspired by God. Now, from his mic to your ears, this is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to Unpacking It, where we unpack sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hope you're doing well today. I'm fired up because on the show, we'll be joined by Corey Miller, former NFL linebacker, spent most of his career with the New York Giants, and now his son Christian Miller is a rookie out of Alabama with the Carolina Panthers. And so Corey goes by the moniker Pastor of Pain. And so uh, a lot to get into with him, faith, family, football, and uh, hope you'll enjoy that conversation that we have with him. And then coming up toward the end of the show, we'll do our segment, Unpack This, about backup quarterbacks and how coaches are required or make the effort to hide the weaknesses of their backup quarterback when they become the starter and how that relates to our own lives and how we deal with weaknesses and how we pretend and how we cover up our own weaknesses. And and so uh, stick around. Uh, you'll want to hear kind of how those two uh, correlate. All right, coming up in the next segment, we're going to do I'm Convinced. I've got some thoughts on the big decision by the NCAA and, and players and their, their name and likeness and being able to, to make some money in a few years. Uh, so I've got some positives and negatives about that big decision. I uh, also want to talk about my Super Bowl prediction, and I'll let you know why I'm convinced we can start planning the Super Bowl today. So <laughs> let's get ready, even though one of those teams has a, has a big game against uh, another top team in the AFC. So it's all coming up. It's unpacking it. I'm Bryce Johnson. Thanks for being with us. We'll be back with I'm Convinced right after this. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. Thanks so much for joining us on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're unpacking sports, faith, and life. And right now it's time for our segment, I'm Convinced, where I let you know what I'm convinced of. And we'll start in the NFL because I'm convinced we should start planning our Super Bowl parties, and let's start getting excited for the 49ers and the Patriots going head-to-head. The reality is, these are the two best teams in the NFL. It's very clear, and I was hesitant to, to jump on the 49ers bandwagon, but, but what they did to my Carolina Panthers last week, and then they followed it up, and a little bit of a trap game against Arizona – they hung on, got the win. Jimmy G actually threw the ball really well, got all of his receivers involved. I mean, Kittle finally had a big game. He's been fine this year, but not, not a real big game. 
He looked good, even though he was banged up a little bit. You get Emmanuel Sanders going. So the 49ers are the real deal. And early on, I'm thinking, all right, they're playing a bunch of easy teams. Are they really this good? I feel confident to say they are the team to beat in the NFC. And then, of course, we know New England. Anytime you're talking Super Bowl, just you know, put them in. They'll be there. And uh, that's just kind of how we're, we're used to it as, as sports fans. So the, the aspect of this understanding, though, is not only are these the two best teams right now, but I, I was looking it up, and in recent years, the Super Bowl teams that are ranked first or second you know, in the NFC or AFC, they're the ones that go to the Super Bowl. And so at this point, with, with the Patriots and the 49ers both being undefeated, they're going to be the one or two seed in, in their conferences. And so you can basically feel pretty confident to say, all right, the top teams are going, and who's going to catch either one of them? I, I don't see it. And then they'll have home field advantage. They get the bye. And in recent years, it is proving, it's been proven that if you get that advantage, the home field advantage and the advantage of resting your players with a bye, it ends up benefiting you. Now, I used to be the, the one that believed in momentum in the playoffs and wanting to you know, play that first week during the wild card games so that you, know, you don't get out of rhythm or whatever. But, but in today's NFL, it's a little bit more about you know, resting guys who's fresh, and especially when you're a team like New England, when you can get those buys and you don't have to have you know, your, your veteran players get worn out that, that first week, uh, it ends up being a, a great advantage. And so that's, that's the way it's been. And, and you go back to 2012, that was the last time a lower seed team, a seeded team made it to the Super Bowl. That was the Ravens. They were the fourth seed. Now, years ago, I mean, you think about some of the wild card teams that have made a run, and you think about you know, Steelers or Giants or Packers, some of those teams have made it to the Super Bowl when they were lower seeds. But in recent years, think about it. Even the Panthers, during their undefeated season until they lost the Falcons, and, and then they made a run to the Super Bowl, and Seattle and Denver and all those teams, they were top teams. The Eagles were a top seed a couple years ago when they won. And then, of course, New England every year, they're, the, they're either first or second. And then they end up in the, in the Super Bowl. So I'm, I'm confident with where these two teams are at. And then as I think about the playoffs and them having those rankings, hey, let's put it down. Let's get ready. 49ers, Patriots. And how great will it be to see Tom Brady versus Jimmy G? So I'm already getting excited. It's only the midway point of the NFL season, but I can't wait for the Super Bowl. So, uh, of course, we want to see how the season plays out. And, and I do think there are a, a couple teams that, that could get hot and, and make a run. But I just the, 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 the way that the Patriots and 49ers have started this season, there's just no way that they're going to totally fall off. I, I just don't see that. So uh, they should keep, keep it rolling. All right. My number two, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the NCAA – took one step in the right direction now that they're going to allow players to be able to leverage their name, image, and likeness to start making some money. And these new rules will come into place in 2021, and so we'll figure out exactly what this means for athletes, what this means for the NCAA, for schools, and what does it mean for us as fans, what does it mean for you know players within the locker room. And so here, here are a few things I'm convinced of. I'm convinced that players should absolutely be able to make money 
from endorsements or autographs. To, to me, it's a, it's a no-brainer from is it, is it right or, or should they have that opportunity? Absolutely. But I'm also convinced it's really not the answer. It's not the end goal. And, and I agree with Jay Billis that, that this is just one step and it's a positive step, but I'm convinced the real solution is still that players at revenue-generating schools should be paid by the schools. To me, this new rule and all the conversations now about, oh, good, now players get to make money, that's a separate thing. If you're going to make it from the local car dealership or you're going to make it from the EA Sports video game or, or something like that, sure, yeah, that's all right and you should do that. But at revenue-generating schools... Where is that money going? Because to me, players who contribute to the generation of revenue, the generating of revenue, they should be paid accordingly. Now, I'm convinced that in in the NFL or, or any other professional league, players are paid by the owners. And so in college football and college basketball, you know, on the biggest level, they play for the universities. That's who you know, quote unquote, owns the teams, but they're the, and, and so they're the ones that can pay for those players because they bring value to the players. They bring value to students and the overall school experience. And so if you're a university, you pay other employees at the university that contribute to the quality of the school, right? A- any aspect of that school experience from, from education to all the extra stuff, People get paid. And so think about all the people that actually get paid on game day at a, at a football game. I mean, think about it. From the, the, the security to the, the cleanup, you know, you name it, somebody, somebody's getting paid except for the ones actually out on the field. And, and the scholarship, that's fine. You can factor in the scholarship. But you know what? Isn't it true that, that normally employees, they get a free education? Like they're allowed to, to take classes and it's just kind of part of being an employee at the school. Right. Isn't that uh, that's that's how I've always understood it. And so to me, if a, a player, he just becomes an employee of the university, that's who pays him. And of course, there's a much longer discussion in our segment isn't long enough. But but that's where my head is at, even following all of, uh, of what took place uh, with this latest ruling. And so to me, I'm so convinced you can't lump in non revenue generating sports or even lower divisions with the upper echelon of big business college sports. It, there, there has to be a separation. They can't operate under the same mentality. We have to view it for what it is. And I think we're all starting to realize the common sense of this. Hey, these schools are making big money. The, the NCAA is, is making big money overall, but it's just making some changes as to how that money is distributed. And I think they have to figure out a structure for, for these athletes to actually get paid from the university or whatever overriding body is going to ultimately operate the largest schools, the ones that really are generating revenue. Now, I know there's a lot of layers to this, but I still always go back to this. And I've been talking about this since I did a paper on it in high school because I always felt like this just wasn't right, that players weren't getting part of the pie. And, and so now we're starting to finally see this all, this years, all these years later where we're starting to see some change. But there's still a long way to go. There, there really is. So uh, one other thing, on a negative side, I am convinced this could be a very bad thing because 
the, with the the image and likeness and, and endorsements because it, it can be a lot more selfish or me first mentality in the locker rooms. And so I do think it's going to be tougher on coaches because you know, players don't always stick around, especially in college basketball. And they're going to come there. They're going to try to make as much money as they can, make their name great. And so even though I think they have the right to do that, I think it creates some issues from a team mentality and to get guys to buy in when they're 18, 19 years old. And they're already selfish anyway. We all are at 18, 19. Um, and so that's a, that's a tricky part of this, this whole conversation as well. So it's a short segment, but I just wanted to throw that out there because that's what I'm convinced of this week. I, I definitely you know, side with, with Jay Billis and a lot of what he says on ESPN uh, in, in regards to this whole issue. And, and so we'd love to know your thoughts. You can email me, Bryce, B-R-Y-C-E, at unpackingit.com. When we come back, we're going to bring on Corey Miller, former NFL linebacker known as the pastor of pain. It's next right here on Unpacking It. Intriguing guests and inspiring conversations. This is Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Great to be with you here on Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Our website is unpackingit.com. My email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Just search the Unpacking It podcast anywhere podcasts are found. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and so definitely want to check that out. We've got extended interviews on there, and and you can always catch up on previous guest interviews as well. Uh, Recently on the show, we've had Kevin Mawai, Chris Conley, uh, David Pollack, awesome guests, so check that out at unpackingit.com as well. And joining us now is former NFL linebacker Corey Miller. He played his college football at South Carolina and was drafted in the sixth round in 1991 by the New York Giants. He spent eight seasons with them and then one season with the Minnesota Vikings. His son, Christian, is a rookie for the Carolina Panthers. Corey is currently a speaker, an evangelist, and broadcaster who goes by the nickname The Pastor of Pain. You can follow him on Twitter, Pastor of Pain. Corey, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I am doing great, and thank you guys so much for having me. And, uh... You know, just a beautiful time uh, in my life and uh, really just enjoying what God is doing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I want to talk all about your, your faith, and, and we'll, we'll jump into that in just a little bit. But let, let's start in the NFL. And as a former NFL linebacker, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the top two teams in the league, the 49ers and the Patriots, both having the top defenses and winning with defense in, a, in an era that's all about quarterbacks and fantasy football and stats on the offensive side, what have you made of these two teams kind of carrying the, the, the torch this year for, for defenses? Well, I started the AFC. Definitely nothing uh, surprising. When you look at the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick and, and their defense and how they play, uh, you know, you go back, I think the last couple of Super Bowls that the Patriots have won, uh, you know, really, we talk about Tom Brady. Of course, the quarterback gets all the glory most of the time. But really, like even last year, Brady's numbers weren't really good, but it was the defense. So, you know, being able to uh, stop the run and being able to run the football, that was a difference, you know, in winning or losing a Super Bowl. So I'm not shocked, you know, what the Patriots are doing. 
Uh, somewhat, though, when you look at the 49ers, uh, you know, just even coming off a week against the Panthers, man, they were just dynamic. They've mm. been playing great football all season long. I mean, going into that Panthers game, they were only giving up, I believe, 10 points or less. Uh, I mean, they were shutting people out. I mean, then they get you in third and long, and that, that, that defensive front, it's just, I mean, really just good, fast, quick off the edges. They get good middle pressure, very athletic at the tackle positions. The linebackers can run, and then, of course, you got Richard Sherman. And other than that, secondary has been around and been a part of great defense. So kind of shocked how quickly they have to just really arrived on the scene. But, man, watching them play the Panthers and how, how great they got at the quarterback was pretty impressive. Absolutely. So, so following that that game with the Panthers, I, I know you you follow them closely, and of course your son plays for them, and I, I want to ask you about that. But what's your big takeaway from the loss from the Panthers' perspective, and, and kind of has your outlook on the the overall season changed at all based on that one game? But it was a, a blowout game. Yeah, you know, I was watching it. I was down uh, Daniel Island at Pro Am Jam golf event I do every year, watching it uh, kind of by myself. It really was a shocked at uh, how they got dominated. I'm going to use the word dominated because I thought they got dominated in the trenches uh, in that ball game. But I don't think you take that one game and, and you know, you say, hey, this is who we are. Uh, this is our identity. Uh, and it is. You know, I, I'm still excited uh, about what the Panthers can do. Uh, they're a good football team. I think that was a great test going on the road uh, and playing a really good 49ers team. Give the 49ers credit. Uh, those guys get paid, too. And the Panthers play their best football. I mean, and you go back and you watch, and I know a lot of people give Brown Bear a lot of grief, but really any game, uh, you go back and you can circle, you know, five, six, seven plays, explosive plays, you go, that was a difference in the ball game. Mm. And, and I think you go look at that tape and you go, man, there were some major mistakes made. And, you know, the turnovers and things like that, that uh, San Francisco capitalized on the big runs, uh, where gap bits weren't good. I mean, I, you know, the, that 3-4 defense uh, is a good defense. I played in it pretty much for the most of my career. I know uh, you can do a lot of really good things in that, but it's also one of those defenses where you, if you get out of gap integrity mm. and one guy not getting the proper fit, you're going to get gashed. And that was evident in that 49er game that uh, you know guys got out of the gap integrity. And that's happened before. This is not the first time. I've seen runs, explosive runs against that Panthers defense before because guys are not in their proper gaps and they got gashed. But I, I do think the Panthers are still a good football team. They're going to come back at home. You know, you play a good, solid Tennessee team uh, who just made a change at quarterback. So uh, I like their chances of getting their fifth win of the year. And you just kind of build off that. Sometimes you need a wake-up call, a loss, an embarrassment uh, to propel you uh, to that next level. Yeah, hopefully that, that's what it is for, for sure. Corey Miller, our guest right now on Unpacking It former NFL linebacker, spent nine years in the NFL after playing uh, his college football at South Carolina. And, and of course, the, the big debate locally in Charlotte, but, but even nationally, is the quarterback situation with the Panthers. And a lot of it is you know contingent on the, the injury to, to Cam Newton and his health. But, but where do you come out just kind of on the, the, the debate and the discussion and the, the ultimate decision that, that will have to be made in regards to Cam Newton and, and Kyle Allen and, and that quarterback position? Hey, I'm riding with Cam Newton. I, I mean, I'm not as a former player and been around this game for a long, long time, several decades. You know, I'm not moved. I mean, I, I can appreciate and really been a part of this team with my son, you know, uh, the job that Kyle Allen has come in and done and really been a great, great fill-in for Cam Newton. But let's, let's not get crazy, you know, and I tell people this all the time. 
that, you know, he's not Cam Newton. I mean, yeah, last year, dating back to last year and then the first two games this season, it was bad, but the guy was hurt. You know, you're coming off the shoulder. Now you got that Liz Frank injury. I mean, just, you know, he wasn't himself. I mean, you're talking about a former MVP of the NFL, a guy probably maybe the best player in the history uh, of Carolina football, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, I mean, so I, I, I think when he's healthy, and I think what Cal Allen has done, and Panther fans should be excited about it, is the fact that he he's given them uh, a good quarterback to fill in while their star is getting healed, that they don't have to rush him back and try to put him in the ball game when he's not healthy and then things go down here. But what you got in Allen is a guy that I think in the future could do some good things. But right now, there's no way. And I think it was evident at, the, at, the, at San Francisco that they're not ready to make that move full-time. And people talking about trading Cam Newton. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You <laughs> know how hard it is to get really good quarterbacks in this league now? There's not that many. Think about it. There's yeah. not that many really good quarterbacks, top-notch quarterbacks, and you're going to just give one away because mm. he you know, battled some injuries the last – you know, eight, ten outings that he's played, and now you got a, an opportunity to get the guy back healthy. He's still young. He's, I mean, he's, what, eight years, nine years in the league. I mean, this guy is still young. He's, you know, taking care of his body better. He's been better with his decision-making. He's going to have a five, six more quality years, in my opinion, and I just don't see no way, no how, when, when healthy, that they make any type of quarterback change. I think that would be a horrible decision, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it's an interesting perspective, and we're halfway through the season, so, so plenty of games left uh, if Cam does return and, and he can make an impact. Corey Miller, our guest right now on Unpacking It. So, so your son, he's a, a rookie with the Panthers. He's a linebacker as, as well. And, and so it's such a, a unique and, and cool thing to think about, man, a, a dad plays nine years in the NFL, his son now gets the opportunity. And so I'm, I'm wondering, though, did, did you raise your son to be an NFL player? And, and at what point did you know he had what it took to make it? Well, you know, that pride in every father that has a son that plays sports, you know, that's the thing. A daddy's son playing football or following his footsteps. And both my sons, my older son, Corey Jr., was a great athlete, probably more athletic uh, than Christian. Uh, he ended up playing football, got recruited, uh, but ended up loving basketball, ended up going out to a little JUCO and then, then got out of it. But Christian was that kid, and I tell the story all the time. I played him at about four or five years old on my little pop morning team in Columbia, South Carolina. He's playing with his older brother. Should not have been playing, really. Hmm. But I put him out there. I was, I was a coach. I could monitor the situation. And we're doing tackling drills. This little older kid, man, he just floored Christian. And Christian was crying, and I was like, oh, my Lord, what have I done? I got my son hurt. You know, people going to come after me, uh, you know. And he popped up, and he said, Daddy, I want to do it again. I want to do it again. Uh, and he was mad. I said, okay. I said, I don't know what has Daddy taught you how to tackle. When you're going up against a bigger guy, okay, how did you get him down? How, he can't run without what? He said, he can't run without his legs. And I said, that's where you hit him. Mm. Don't try to hit him up high. You tackle him low, and Christian got in there. And he blew the kid up and uh, at, at like four or five years old. Uh. And I knew then he had something in him that, that you can't teach, uh, you know, that, that God gives it to you and that, that desire, that heart, uh, toughness, uh, resiliency to be a great football player. And as, as he went through life and high school, one of the greatest high school players in the state of South Carolina uh, to come through, 
broke Peter Bowers' records and sacks at his high school, oh, wow. pro bowler for the Ravens and Florida State. He broke all those records and went to Alabama, though we had to wait and, uh, you know, went through some difficult uh, injury situations there. But he, he always was resilient, about resilient to bounce back after 10 weeks from a torn bicep and going to get a couple of sacks in the postseason. They have Alabama win a national championship and, you know, he ends up where he is right now. So I'm not shocked. Uh, you know, just some, something you know. And I will say this, brother. Uh, one Sunday I had both my kids, and we walked into a church. It was the first time he visited this church, and that pastor stopped and said, that young boy right there will play in the National Football League. And I'll never forget that. Wow. Uh, and he, he spoke that over his life. And, and that prophetic word, that prophecy, reigns through today. That's where he is right now with the Panthers playing in the National Football League. That, that's awesome. He's Corey Miller, former NFL linebacker, played most of his career with the New York Giants. We are just getting started with him. And when we return, we'll talk more faith, family, and football with Corey. It's Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. Thanks for being with us. Hey, hey, it's Bryce Johnson, and I love fantasy football. It's just so much fun to compete against your friends, to get bragging rights when you actually win. But as you know, it can also be frustrating, challenging, upsetting when the players you expect to do great things fall flat, and you lose to your buddy, and then you never hear the end of it. But either way, fantasy football is fantastic, and so here at Unpacking It, we created Fantasy Football Fellowship, and we've got the playbook available for you today. Just go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. Basically, we take fantasy concepts, relate them to the Bible, relate them to our own lives, and we just want to enhance your fantasy football experience throughout the season. So it'll add meaning and purpose to your fantasy football season. Go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. That's fantasyfootballfellowship.com and order your playbook today. Bringing you unique insight into the faith and character of guests from the sports world. Welcome back to Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson. Welcome back to Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. We're in the middle of a conversation with former NFL linebacker Corey Miller. His son Christian Miller plays with the Carolina Panthers and... Here he is. He's playing. He's getting this opportunity. So, what's that dynamic like between you and him? Having you, you, you played. You know the game. Does he come to you? Do you go to him? What, what's that that relationship like when it comes to you know offering advice and, and being there for him as he takes these steps into the NFL? You know, I, I let him come to me. I've, I've learned a, a, a powerful lesson, and I and I feel partly responsible for my older son. Because I wanted, I really thought he was going to be the guy that played in that football league. I really, I mean, I'm telling you, this kid was so talented, so much ability, and I would just say, man, you got everything. And I was probably a little bit too hard pushing him hmm. and pushing him that I think I've turned him away from the game. I really do. So when it came to Christian, you know, the Lord really just uh, gave me discernment on how to deal with him, and so I let him come to me. I don't, I don't forcefully say anything about how he played or, or you know, what I saw in the game. I mean, I know a lot. I see a lot. I know what they're doing. I can make a lot of comments. I could every single game, every play he plays. I watch every single play that he plays. and But I'm ready to have an answer when he asks me. 
So, but I let him come to me, and then and what she normally does, and he'll just start talking about it, and that opens the door for me to say, oh, yeah, this is what I saw. You know, what, what was the, the defensive call here, or what were you thinking here in this pass rush, or you know, we we can have dialogue in that way, and and then it's not a confrontation of me telling him what he should be doing. No, that, that's great advice from Corey Miller, a former NFL linebacker and, and father of Christian Miller, a linebacker with the Carolina Panthers, uh, rookie out of Alabama. And, uh, yeah, I love that perspective, and I think that's an, an encouraging word for, for dads uh, listening today. And, and Corey, uh, we love talking football and, and all that, but, man, we love talking faith. And I'm sure you get this question all the time, but we at least need to, to get it out of the way. So your, your moniker is Pastor of Pain. So, so what, is it, what does it mean, and, and how did it start? Well, I was doing a radio show years and years ago when I first retired in Columbia. It was a Gamecock Friday, they called it. And I was working with a man named Phil Cornblue who's been around the media for many, many years. And, and uh, I was getting in the pastoring of church, and, you know, I was preaching. And, and he's like, man, you know, they call Reggie White the minister of defense. Yep. And he's always like, you know, I've known you since you were in high school, which he has, and you were always a big hitter, and, man, you put pain on people when you hit people. You you, you felt pain. And now that you're a pastor, I think you should be called a pastor of pain. And it just <laughs> rang. I mean, it's like, wow, that's pretty awesome. And, and I give him the credit because he's like, man, I'm telling you, I'm like, that's your, that's who you are. You're a pastor. You're the football of pain. So I started, people start calling me that on the radio show, and, then it went on the TV, and then, I mean, people call me Pastor Payne more than they call me Corey. Oh, wow. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and then and if I go on shows, then people got maybe the greatest Twitter handle that's out there, the Pastor Payne. And I'll tell you a quick story, but my, the lady in my church, the little elderly lady I had in my church when I was pastoring, she goes, Pastor, now, why do they call you on the news the Pastor of Payne? And you should be the pastor of love. I don't like that because God is about love, not pain. Yep, yep. So I said, well, I said, Mother, God, you know, Jesus, I said, Jesus went through pain. And that was the greatest sign of love because he died for us. And she was like, hmm, that makes sense. That's good. I love it. I love it. That's cool. Corey Miller, pastor of pain uh, on Twitter. That's his Twitter handle, pastor of pain. And and so let, let, let's talk about your faith and and I guess very very simply but profoundly how has Jesus transformed your life? Man, I tell you, it's really you know I grew up in in, in a country town, faith in South Carolina, right down the road from Charlotte. I had ten brothers and sisters. Wow! And we were always in the church. My mom and dad were faithful. My mother was a faithful servant and usher board and. Uh, food feeding ministry and feeding out people in our community. My dad was a, a head deacon for 50-something years in the church, and we, we had a, a gospel choir called the Family Singers. We traveled after our church uh, every Sunday to go to go other churches and sing it. Uh, so I grew up in the church. I always knew who the Lord was, Jesus was. I mean, it was it was instilled in me from ever since I can remember going back even to my grandmother's. I mean, it's a generation of of, of Christianity in my family. So uh, I went through that. But I, as I went through life and got to college and even the pros, I really felt like I wasn't a Christian because I was living a life that, that really mimicked how people that were non-Christian live. I was, uh, you know, abusing alcohol. I was sexually immoral. I was, you know, there was nothing that was Christian in me of my actions. Mm. I, I believed I had a head knowledge I believed in Jesus Christ. I wasn't atheist. I wasn't agnostic. I believed in going to church. I went to FCA. I went to Athletes in Action. I went to chapel. I did all the things 
basically religious stuff. Mm. But I had no relationship with Jesus Christ until 1993 uh, when I heard Pat Kelly speak in uh, New Jersey uh, through uh, our, our, our chaplain, Dave Bratton. Uh, that night I went up to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in 1993, uh, and, and, and my life began to change. But it was a roller coaster because, I, you know, that's what happens so much today. People, again, they, they had this religious factor, and my life was up and down. I mean, I battled things up and down, up and down until I fast forward 10 years down the road after my career, after a failed business in a suit store where uh, I lost, uh, you know, probably over a million dollars, money that I had saved, which was a lot back then. I had a partner that wasn't uh, doing the right things, mm. uh, put me in a, a horrible predicament. I resulted back to the, my worldly ways of drinking and sexual immorals. So I, my Christian mom and dad, I was unfaithful in my marriage. Uh, and then she wanted a divorce, and my life was on a downward spiral. And in 2003 in Charleston, South Carolina, I just came off the road with Hooting the Blowfish or Dave Rucker and those guys are my best friends, and they tried to get me out. They kind of helped me with stuff I was going on, but I just kept going downhill. And when that tour was over, I heard the, the devil uh, whisper and echo in my ear to kill myself. I sat there uh, that dark night with a 40 caliber gun uh, getting ready to take my life. Oh. And uh, But when I was seven, eight years old, my great-grandmother, told my mom and I that day that God had a plan for my life. Mm. That God, she said, just like this, Ethel, who was my mother, Ethel, God's going to use that little boy. Mm. And she just rocked in her rocking chair. And that night, in the darkest season of my life, with a gun in my hand, listen to the echoes of the voice of the enemy saying, you're hopeless, you're helpless, you lost your money, nobody wants to, your wife don't want you, your friends don't want you, where's all these people that loved you? Why do you need to live? You know, end it all. When I heard that voice of grandmother, and thank God today I'm here because I did not pull that trigger. I did not do follow through. So I packed up and moved back home and uh, tried to resurrect everything. That didn't work out. But my relationship with Jesus began to grow. And, and the Lord told me in a dark night in a rented house uh, where I had no power, I had nothing but a, a fire. Uh, he says that I'm your God in a dark place. Mm. And I want to teach you how to go make giants for Christ. Amen. Wow, what a powerful story from Corey Miller, the pastor of pain, with us right now on Unpacking It. And I really appreciate you sharing that. I mean, gosh, that's, uh, that's powerful stuff uh, from Corey Miller. And, and his ministry is called Giants for Christ. And it's G, the number 4Cministry.com. So G4Cministry.com. And, and so as you go and speak, and, and you speak to student athletes, but you also you know, speak at churches and, and that sort of thing, what are some of the, the topics that you're most passionate about that, that you enjoy speaking and, and sharing about? You know, really, it's the biggest thing that God has really been speaking to me. It's kind of what I just said. I mean, you know, for me, making him Lord, mm. I, you know, and, and God has called us as men to be the spiritual leaders the spiritual heads of our families. You know, we are the lead spiritually. And I didn't know that for a lot of years, just here recently, really what that meant. How do I lead my wife? How do I lead my children? You know, God has called us to be that. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, ate of that forbidden fruit, God didn't come out and say, Eve, where are you? He said, Adam, where are you? Mm. He called, because Adam who is the one that he called. He made woman from man, and he called us to lead. And, and what I see now uh, dealing with men and with young men 
is that they don't understand leadership, spiritual leadership. Even men who know the gospel don't know how to really love their wives in Christ of the church. I didn't. Mm. You know, to pray with my wife, to, 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 to lead spiritual. How do, I, how do I lead my kids and be an example to them what it means to lead in that way? That's what I'm passionate about. That because because when the, when you take the man out of the equation, look at him. We take the man out of our home. We you know we take that affects who the kids, the children, and more importantly the young men. Mm. When when that 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 father figure isn't there, mm. and it's important. And the Lord's been speaking to me. It's it's just so important that we go get our men back. And 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 I just uh, shared this with some men the other day when I think about David when they came back uh, from war to, uh, and they went back to Ziklag and and they got back and their women and children were gone and they're, 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 the town was burned up and they cried and they wept and then they got up and David got that ephod and inquired of the Lord when his own men was going to turn on him but God told him to pursue so that is my message today to get up we've wept we've cried we've been on. We've got things burned up by the enemy. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy our children, our families, our marriages, our ministries. But it's up to us as men to get up and pursue. Oh, I love it. He's Corey Miller, former NFL linebacker, played with the New York Giants, and, and now has a ministry called Giants for Christ. And, uh, man, love your heart and passion. Uh, and appreciate you sharing all that with us today here on Unpacking It. And, and as I was looking at your uh, your Twitter account, Pastor of Pain, um, I just wanted to get your just kind of initial thoughts on a couple words. And, and, and the first word is surrender. What, what does that word mean to you, surrender? Wow, that's an awesome word, man. That means really just giving it all up. Hmm. That means just bowing down. That means quitting yourself and just saying, God, here I am. And that was part of what I had to do the last year, was surrender. Surrender normally don't come unless there's devastation. Mm. A lot of folks have a hard time, like Corey Miller, of surrendering unless it came came through a really tough, difficult time. But when you do, when you just say, God, I, I quit being Lord in my life, you become Lord, I quit trying to do things on my own, you know, I'm waving that white flag. I give up. That's what surrender means. I love it. I love it. What, one other word that, that popped out to me as I was looking at your Twitter account, the, the word humility. What have you learned about humility? Woo, well, now, I asked God. I said, I know a lot of people like taking selfies. I've, I've done a lot myself. <laughs> but take, take a spiritual selfie. Take and say, God, I want to take this camera and show me my heart. Show me myself. And, 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 man, I had a lot of pride because the opposite of humility is pride. Mm. And when I had God humble me, I mean, that means becoming a place of lowliness. Mm. So when you say humble, I mean low. So good. So good. Well, let, let's end it on, on that note. Let, let's end it in humility and, and that encouragement for all of us to, uh, to seek humility and, and surrender to the Lord and, and follow him each day. And so, uh, man, just... Uh, Love what, love what you were willing to share with us today here on Unpacking It. And, and again, you can follow Corey Miller on Twitter, Pastor of Pain, and check out his website, g4cministry.com. Corey, great to connect with you, and really appreciate you being a part of the show today. Man, thanks for having me. And everybody's listening. Get up and pursue, because what God has for you, 
It's going to be amazing. Thanks for having me, brother. He's Corey Miller, the pastor of pain and former NFL linebacker with us on Unpacking It. When we come back, we'll do our segment, Unpack This. Inspiring conversations and intriguing interviews. More Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson after this. This is Unpacking It. I'm Bryce Johnson. It's time for our final segment of the day. We call it Unpack This, where I take a current sports story and relate it to the Bible and our own lives. So let's jump right in. During the first eight weeks of the NFL season, we've seen 15 backup quarterbacks come in for the original starter. Regardless of the situation, every one of them entered with a weakness. There is a reason they weren't the starter to begin with and there is some flaw in their game that initially caused them to be a backup. So, when the backup becomes the starter, the coaches have the responsibility to figure out a way to hide their quarterback's weakness. If a player can't throw the deep ball as well as the previous starter, they put in plays for shorter routes. If a player isn't as mobile, they add more protection. The coaches don't want their players' weaknesses to be revealed, and they do the best they can to conceal any shortcomings. In life, we have a similar approach because our default action is to conceal any of our shortcomings, only show our best sides, and hide any of our weaknesses. Although it's common to not want to appear weak or vulnerable or broken, if we follow Jesus, our perspective on weaknesses should be so much different. By looking through the lens of the Bible, we don't have to hide or pretend like we have it all together. While acknowledging our weakness and recognizing our brokenness, Jesus comes in to heal us and shine through us. We can confidently and even boastfully reveal our shortcomings as we surrender to our Savior Jesus and allow His power to take over. The Apostle Paul writes in the Bible how each time God told him, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul says, now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Today, there is freedom when we stop pretending like we have it all together and instead rely on the one who actually is strong and does his best work in our brokenness. So I hope you're willing to unpack that for yourselves and really appreciate you joining me today and hope you'll stay connected with us throughout the week on social media and on unpackingit.com. If you have any thoughts about today's show, you can email me, Bryce at unpackingit.com. Until next time, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sins. He was resurrected and through faith, I have been saved by His grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have a wonderful week. This has been Unpacking It with Bryce Johnson on Sports Byline USA. 